we are continuing on in this series um, called Love Your Neighbor, and we spent the first couple weeks looking at the story of the Good Samaritan and how God places people in our path that, that we get to be a good neighbor towards, and then we looked at the idea that sometimes we, we don't want to love our neighbors because it takes time that we don't have, so we talked about margin, and then last week we talked about intentionality, being, being intentional to love the people that God puts in our paths, and this week... Uh, we're going to talk about loving our neighbors by listening to them, by actually listening to them. And I, I am, I'm getting better at, at being a listener. Uh, just a funny story to sort of kind of ease us in here. There was a couple years ago where we were uh, living in our old house, and we had smoke alarms in each of the rooms and in some of the hallways, and they were the battery-operated ones. And, and so there was one night at like 2 o'clock in the morning, the, the one in the hallway just goes, beep. And it, and it lets me know that the battery's dying. Have you ever had this happen? If you don't have a new home, they're not hardwired in. This is what goes on. And so I'm like trying to ignore it and beep. I'm like, okay, all right, I got to go deal with this. So I go out, I get my step stool because and, and, I'm short. And I, I take this thing down off the ceiling and I take the battery out of it. I get back in bed. A couple minutes later, beep. I'm like, what the what? So I go back out in the hallway and I'm looking at it and beep. It's still beeping. I'm like, I, I'm looking at it like I don't even know how this is happening. So I go up there, and I literally just, like, rip the thing out of the ceiling, and I bring it down to the garage, and I just leave it in the garage. I go back upstairs. I get in bed. Beep. I'm like, what in the world? And I go out, and I'm looking up there, and I realize it wasn't the smoke alarm. It was the carbon monoxide alarm that was right next to it. And uh, I had completely disassembled the, the wrong thing. I wasn't listening well to what was happening, and I reacted in haste without paying attention to what was going on, and I didn't respond accurately and fixed the wrong thing. Um, I think we have a tendency to do that sometimes, particularly as Christians. We don't listen well. If, you've, if you grew up in the church in the 80s or 90s, you were told how much you need to speak, how much you need to evangelize people, and we're not very good listeners. And I want to talk today about what it means to listen well. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a famous theologian and pastor and martyr, uh, says that, that oftentimes Christians feel like the only thing they have to offer is their words. They just want to talk and talk and talk in a situation when really the better thing they might have to offer to love their neighbor is actually to be quiet and to listen and maybe respond with good questions that are geared towards discipleship. And so I want to talk about that today, about listening well uh, and loving people that, that God puts in our paths as we're intentionally walking towards people and, and intersecting, you know, with people in our lives. We want to listen to them well. And I would argue that our, our world is full of not listening, right? It's full of plenty of people who, who don't know how to listen and don't listen well. You can look around and hear that everyone is not every, okay, maybe not, maybe not you, but many people are constantly trying to make an argument. They're trying to prove a point of some sort. Uh, in, in, our, in our hurriedness, in our need to produce, we, we don't have time to listen to people. We don't have time to slow down and listen to people. Or lots of times when people are talking, we're trying to perform. We're trying to think of ways that we can make ourselves look good, even in the most innocuous situations. We're actually trying to prop up our own self-image rather than actually listening well. And I think, honestly, I have nothing, really, I don't have anything against social media, but you look in our world full of social media, we're so narcissistic, all it is is us talking, is individuals talking, 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 portraying, 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 and there's no real listening happening in our world. And so I believe that to love our neighbors well, we need to be good listeners. And, and loving people is not about fixing them. It's not about 
reacting quickly to them. It's not even, I would say, about evangelizing them. It's about creating space, creating space in a relationship with somebody for the gospel to take root, for the gospel to take root slowly in someone's life, to model it for them and to invite them further into the kingdom life, slowly, over time, as we listen well. And here's what I would argue, that, that listening is actually a loving act of faith. It's a loving act of faith in the gospel. It's a loving act of faith in the gospel for you and for, for them, believing the gospel for yourself and for them in the midst of, of listening. Here's what I mean. It's an act of faith in the midst of listening well to believe that you don't have something to prove. That takes belief in the gospel that you don't have to prove a point. It's an act of faith in the gospel that you can slow down enough and stop producing to actually be present and listen to them. And I would argue that it's an act of faith that you don't need to perform. You don't need to perform and prop up your self-image and be doing all this imaging to them in the midst of their conversation. You can actually listen and hear what they're saying. And I would argue that loving means getting into their story, hearing their story and understanding it as best as you possibly can. There's plenty of scripture that, that talks about uh, listening well. I mean, honestly, if you would sum up like half of Proverbs, it would probably be shut your mouth. Like, just be quiet. Just be quiet and listen. Uh, or in, in the book of James, uh, which we're going to be in today, it talks about being quiet as well. In, in Proverbs 18, I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. You don't need to turn here. In Proverbs 18, it says this, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding but delights in airing his own opinions, right? Finds no pleasure in understanding what's happening, just delights in airing his own thoughts, his own opinions over and over again. Or further down in verse 13, it says, he who answers before listening, that is his folly. That's his foolishness. That's his shame, the person that answers before listening. But this is our world, right? We, we are just so full of people reacting and speaking without really listening, or James 1.19, we're going to kind of focus there today. James 1.19 uh, says that, that we, are, we are called to be quick to listen. James says, be quick to listen and be slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. And he goes on to say, and slow to anger. And what you see there is really starting with being slow to react. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to React, And I think it takes an act of the gospel in us to do that. Now, maybe you've heard this before, and I just want to just kind of explain briefly a little bit of sort of the dichotomy that I see here. There's two different things we can do in the midst of listening to someone in our life over the course of time. We can react or we can respond. You ever the, the kind of study the difference between these two things? You can react or you can respond. Now, reacting is, is quick. It's a quick, it's, it's a thing that happens quickly and immediately in the conversation. It's not thought out, right? It's just words are coming out of your mouth. You haven't really thought about what you're going to say. It's, it's in line often with our subconscious, with, with things that we fear, ways that we're trying to protect ourselves, ways that we're trying to prop ourselves up to somebody. I found that my reactions with people often have to do with trying to alleviate tension. We hate tension. We want to get rid of it as soon as we can. So we react to try to get rid of it rather than taking our time to let that tension maybe sit 
for a little while and see what God might be doing. And I would argue that it's a little bit when we react to people, we're being tunnel-visioned. Like, we have our eyes set on this one thing, and, and I would argue that when we react to people quickly, we're actually probably trying to make a disciple of them in our own way. We're trying to make them be like us, think like us, act like us. We're trying to make a disciple of ourselves. That's in reacting. It's quick. Whereas responding to someone after listening well is slower. It's something that takes a little bit of time to develop. It's actually thought out. And I would say that it's in line with, with chosen values, that we have, like, like we've chosen to believe the gospel, we've chosen to choose, to choose love at some point as a priority, and so we're not going to react quickly in anger, we're going to take our time to process and respond slowly in love or in the faith of the gospel. And rather than being tunnel vision like reactionary uh, responses, it's, it's, it's a slow, big picture thinking. All right, it's not just tunnel vision to this small little area. It's actually a bigger picture response. And I would argue that when we respond well, in line with the gospel, in line with the chosen priority of love, we're actually making disciples. See, when Jesus said make disciples as you go, he didn't necessarily always mean you're going out and you're just evangelizing and preaching people how to receive Jesus so they don't go to hell. You're actually discipling people by slowly responding, asking gospel-centered questions, and allowing them to process what God might be doing in the bigger picture. And I would argue that the difference between reaction and responding is very helpful in conflict. Maybe you've had conflict before. I have. Uh, And there's a difference between reacting and responding, but it's good in everyday life, the difference between reacting and responding. Rather than quickly, you're taking your time to respond well. I just want to give a brief example of what I mean here. Not just conflict, but in normal everyday life and how it leads to discipleship. Uh, We were having a get-together at my house one time, and there were a bunch of people there from the neighborhood, and one of my friends was there from the neighborhood, and he was sharing about this tension that he was having at work, how he hated his job, he wanted to get out of there, couldn't stand his boss, all these complaints coming out, right? Maybe you've been in this environment before where you've heard somebody talking like this. And and there was this tension there, and, and I just reacted to alleviate the tension. I just wanted the tension to go away. I wanted him to be in a good mood. I wanted us to be able to play quates or something. Like, I didn't want to actually take time to process what he was saying and respond. I just wanted to alleviate the tension. And so I made some joke, and we moved on and played quates. Perfectly fine, right? You can go and do that all the time. But what I missed was a discipleship opportunity. I missed the opportunity to actually hear his heart, to really enter into his story slowly to be able to start processing what's God doing here? What are the questions that I might be able to ask down the line? And I wasn't listening well and asking good questions. I just moved on so I could alleviate the tension. I was reacting rather than responding. This is what I mean by these things. So how, how do we respond? How do we live in that world of being slower responders rather than quick reactors? How do we keep an eye on the big picture? Friends, I would argue it's by looking to the gospel first. We have to look to the gospel and start to believe this for ourselves. In Philippians 2, if you want to turn there, there's a, a famous passage that Paul writes in Philippians 2. It's, it's fantastic. He, Paul's writing to the Philippian churches, trying to encourage them about what it looks like to be Jesus' followers. And he starts telling them about a way that they can live. And in chapter 2 of Philippians, in verse 3, listen to what he says. 
He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. You're like, okay, that sounds nice, right? Like, think of others first. This is the golden rule, right? But look what he says. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So now he starts to bring in the gospel foundation for this. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature or very form God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held onto. He already attained it, but it wasn't something that he was going to hold onto firmly, this, e- this equality with God, but made himself nothing, taking the very form or the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, this, this shameful torture device. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What Paul is saying here is the ability that we have to be humble is non-existent. We, We don't know how to do that. We need to look to Jesus to see how. We need to look to what He has done and believe His Spirit inside of us gives us the ability. And what he's saying in this, in this passage to the Philippian church is the way you be humble, the way you be compassionate towards others, the way you love your neighbor is, is by becoming like Jesus who entered the story, right? Jesus enters our story. Rather than maintaining this place of being like God, something he said, it's, I'm not going to hold on to that and grasp onto that. I'm going to enter the human, the human story, and I'm going to listen to them. Look at all the times that people come and they interact with Jesus, and he listens to them, and he listens to their needs, and he hears their heart, and then he responds with good questions. Most of the time, you see him just asking questions in response. You see, God is a faithful listener. How many times do we go to God with these crazy needs, these crazy requests, our complaints, our fears, the things that we want, and God listens, and he listens, and he listens, and he receives our prayers. The, the passage that Jess read earlier in Psalm 116 is, is beautiful with this imagery, this, these words. He says, I love the Lord for He heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because He turned His ear to me, I will call on Him as long as I live. I love the Lord, for He heard my voice. Jesus enters the story. God has come into our midst and says, I've become like you. I understand the story. I'm willing to listen to you. Come to me. See, this is the gospel, friends, is that Jesus knows our story. Jesus knows our weakness, and He enters into it, and He, and he knows it well, and He identifies with us in our story. But what we see in this passage in Philippians 2 is that he doesn't just take on this human form and stay as this servant role, right? It says that, that through his life and through his death and through his resurrection, God exalts him to the highest place. That every knee will bow to Jesus. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So he's not just a servant, he's also God on the throne. He has entered our story but he has proven that everything that needs to be proved. He has performed everything that needs to be performed. 
We no longer need to do that. He is the worthy one. So there's nothing that I need to prove anymore when I am in union with Jesus. There's nothing I need to perform anymore when I am in union with Jesus because He's done it all. And I'm with Him on the throne. He is exalted. He's the glorious one. This is the gospel. He enters our story. He says, I'm with you. Come with me into the throne, into the glory of God. And there's nothing we need to fear anymore. There's nothing we need to prove anymore. So when we're listening to people, we can keep these things in mind, that we can choose humble listening, not needing to prove ourselves, not needing to perform, because Jesus has done it all already, and ultimately, He is the great listener. By His Spirit, He is the one that does the necessary talking, I would say, as well. We don't do the talking. It's the Spirit that does the talking. We can have faith to listen in love. This is what it means to me, is that you can respond instead of react. You can respond instead of react because of what Jesus has done in your life. You can have margin, like we talked about, and actually create space and not be so worried about all you need to produce and all you need to do. You can create margin and actually be there and listen to someone. Jesus has already proved it all anyway. There's nothing left to prove. We don't need to prop ourselves up anymore. You can, you can listen to them and hear their story and not actually be thinking the whole time about how you need to perform, how you need to make yourself look good, because Jesus is the one that's glorious. He's the one that's beautiful and amazing and awesome. We don't need to be those things anymore. We're with Him. And so when we're listening to someone, we don't need to be thinking of the ways to make ourselves look good and perform or prove ourselves. You can, listen, you can listen and learn their story and even validate some of their feelings by entering into that story with them in humility, knowing that, that you're just as human as they are, that you are just as messed up as they are. But here's the truth, friends. If He rescued you, He can rescue them. I think we need to hear this sometimes as a church. It's not our job to rescue people. It's God's job. But if He rescued you, He can rescue them. You can enter into their story with them and identify with the feelings that they're feeling and say, all right, I'm with you in this. I'm, I'm here with you. I'm here with you in this. It's not your job to rescue them and start pointing out all the ways that they need to fix it in that moment. That would be reacting. Responding is to be there with them in it and validate it for a little while and allow them to have those feelings and know that the Spirit will do the work of rescuing them, of changing them, of transforming them. Uh, my wife, Jess, uh, there, there's a woman that she knows who was really struggling in life and, and making some bad decisions. I can, say, I can say that. She was making some really poor decisions that were definitely going to jack up her entire life. She was a Christ follower, friends with Jess, and was sharing with her some of these decisions she had made and decisions she was still making. And Jess had this opportunity in listening to her and hearing her story where she could have reacted immediately. I said, as a Christ follower, you shouldn't do that. Right? That often comes up inside of us. We want to fix the situation immediately. Say, if you love Jesus, you wouldn't do that. Don't do that right now. And we labored about that a lot. Should we, should we, should we just drop the truth hammer? What do we do? What do we do in this? So we took time to pray, process it, just listen, 
continued listening to this woman and hearing her story. And Jess felt pretty clear that God was telling her, it's not your job to fix her. It's not your job to fix her. You don't need to drop truth on her. She knows what the truth is, but she's not believing it. Just wait, just wait for me to change her. Let me tell you something, that is hard to do when you know that somebody is jacking up their life that bad. So Jess waited and Jess listened and listened in conversation after conversation and and started trusting the Spirit to give her questions to ask, slowly, over the course of time, asking questions like, what are you believing in this? Why do you think you're choosing this? And what's happened now I knew I was going to talk about this. I didn't expect to get emotional about it. What's happened now, after a couple years, is this woman's life is in the process of of being restored to where she actually believes who she is in Jesus. Had we just gone after behavior with her and said, fix your behavior, fix your behavior, she might have changed the behavior, but her heart wouldn't have been any different. She still would have been looking to fill those needs elsewhere, right? But in asking good questions and starting to help her see the gospel slowly over time, rather than reacting and going after behavior, but responding and going after identity, over time she started to believe this. She believes who she is in Jesus. She believes that she doesn't need to prove anything or perform anything, that Jesus is on the throne and she doesn't need to be. And what's happened is it's changed her identity, which leads to changed behavior, Belief leads to identity, leads to behavior. But if, you, if you're not listening well and you just react and go after behavior, you don't get the identity piece because you didn't get the belief piece. This is what I mean about having the, the, the humility to enter into somebody's story, to listen well, to hear what's going on and ask good questions. That if God rescued you, He can rescue them. You don't need to do that. You just need to listen and ask good questions. So, if you're a note taker, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some notes that you can take right now, all right? This is, I, I, I try to not speak to the congregation in such ways that I'm saying, okay, write these things down, go do these four things, because I feel like sometimes the Spirit needs to work and just allow you to apply these things, but I, I want to tell you about some things that have helped me over the last couple years, I believe, listen well, or listen better than I used to, Okay? And so I'm going to give you just some practical, <clears throat> some practical things, what it looks like to, to love our neighbor by listening well, by keeping a kind of a big picture, gospel picture in mind. To me, this is sort of the order that these things go in, but you might find that in your life it needs to jump around a little bit. The first thing, this is obvious, listen to them. Actually be with people and actually listen to what they're saying. Listen to their story. I have a bad memory for names, and I have a bad memory for details. I write things down now. When people tell me about something that's going on in their life, I'm like, man, I should remember to pray for that. Get out my little phone, which most of us have. If you're still analog and you got a piece of paper and pen, write it down. Write down their name. Write down the prayer request. So the next time you're with them, you can be thinking, man, I've been praying for this. How's that thing going with your sister? How's that thing going with your crazy next-door neighbor? How's the thing going with your mom? Whatever it is, right? Because you've been praying for it. You've been remembering these things. Listen to them. Enter into their story, believing that you don't need to be trying to prove yourself or perform in the midst of the conversation. But also, listen to the Spirit. 
Now, that might be weird for you, and maybe you don't know what that's, that, that sounds like or what that seems like, but, and I can't even really describe it. Sometimes you're going to be like, that's my own voice. Maybe it is. Vet it out. Take time. You don't need to respond in that moment. Remember, take time. Is this the Spirit talking? Is He saying something to me? Is He asking me, is He giving me a question to ask them? Listen to the Spirit. And then listen to your gut. All right? People are, uh, people are wired in different ways. But when you're listening to people, listen, like, I, I listen with my gut. Like, something happens inside of me when I'm like, oh, there's something more to this story. Like, something happens inside of me. But some people are really logical and linear in their thinking. God's given us a mind for a reason. Listen to your mind. Listen to the logic he's given you. Or listen to your heart. My wife listens with her heart so well and hears people's pain that sometimes I miss. Maybe God's gifted you with a, with a very sensitive heart. Listen to your heart in the midst of the conversation. And hear maybe what God is calling you to, to, to hear in the midst of their story. The second thing I would say is to feel for them. So if you're listening to them, feel for them. Feel for them. I often write this off and I'm like, I don't need to feel for them. That's their thing. Jesus comes into the story, remember? He feels with us. And now by His Spirit, He gives us the ability to feel for other people. Try to feel what they're feeling. This is like putting yourself in their shoes, right? Try to feel what they're feeling. But that doesn't mean you don't have to feel for yourself either, especially if you're in conflict with somebody. You can feel for yourself. Go to God with it and say, God, I'm feeling this, rather than reacting in the moment and saying, you're making me feel this way. Say, God, I'm feeling this way about this situation. See, we're listening, we're feeling for them, feeling for ourselves. Notice, we haven't spoken yet. We're still just in listening mode. We're in recon mode. We're gathering. We're gathering information, gathering feelings, gathering intuitions, gathering spiritual insight. We listen, we feel for them. And then you, and then you ask yourself a question. Okay, this is what I do with people whether it's my neighbor, whether it's somebody I'm in conflict with, whether it's my kids or my spouse, a friend, I, I start asking myself the question. So go back, to my, go back to my friend who, you know, wanted to get out of his job so desperately. I'm asking myself the question, what's the gospel say about this? What does the gospel say about this person's situation, this pain that they're expressing, this emotion that they're expressing, this joy that they're expressing, this hope that they have? What's the gospel say about that? Are they trying to prove themselves by doing this thing? Are they trying to perform in some way? What's the gospel say about this pain that they're sharing? Does Jesus want to free them from something in the midst of this? So you're asking yourself, what does the gospel say about this? What does it say about them? What does it say about you? Oftentimes, Christian, let me encourage you, sometimes when somebody's sharing with something, you don't need to say anything. It's really God just trying to get your attention about something. You say, oh man, what's the gospel say about me? in this situation? Am I like this? Is this going on in my life? Do I have this blind spot that I can clearly see in them in this moment? What's the gospel say about me in this situation? Or if you're in conflict, what's the gospel say about you when you're trying to react and prove yourself? The gospel says you don't have to. You don't have to prove yourself. So we listen, we feel, we ask, what's the gospel in this? And then, friends, we pray the gospel for them. We pray for people to understand the gospel. We pray that we would understand the gospel. We listen, we feel, we ask what the gospel is. We pray freedom for people. We pray hope for people. We pray that the need to not prove for people and for ourselves. We still haven't spoken. 
You, you still haven't spoken. Now, this might be over the course of a five-minute conversation that you're doing these things. This could be the course of five years. I don't know. It could take a while. It could take a while to get to this place with somebody where you're able to do this. It just takes time to slow down enough to respond well, to listen, to feel, to ask questions in your mind, to pray for them, to pray for yourself. Then, then maybe you're at a place where you can respond. Maybe. If God's directing you at that point to respond, then respond. We're not called to just be silent all the time. We're called to preach the gospel. This is what it means to make disciples as we go. When you've been praying the gospel for somebody, praying for freedom and love, to, for, for God to make himself known to people, you're asking God to show you ways to reveal that in the midst of a conversation, then you get to disciple them into this. It's a beautiful thing. So respond with, with questions like, what are you believing? What are you believing in this situation about your job that you hate, about this spouse that's driving you crazy, about this you know, neighbor that's nuts, about this whatever, kid at school that's bothering you? What are you believing? Are you believing the gospel? Are you believing that you're free, that you're loved, that you don't need to prove yourself, that you don't need to perform? What are you believing? Or maybe, do you think maybe there's something that you're believing that's inaccurate in that? Maybe you're trying to find your identity in all that you're doing. Could you believe something different? Here's a question. How does that make you feel? Anybody get that when they went through marriage counseling? How does that make you feel? Like when you're talking about how to do conflict resolution? It's a great question. How does that make you feel? When somebody complains and says, my boss is the worst. How does that make you feel? Like explain that a little bit. Share what's going on behind that. I think it's appropriate to, like I said, to feel what people feel and cry with people to mourn with people, to grieve with people, to be sad with people, to laugh with people, to have joy with people. Respond with the same emotion if that's what God's calling you to. Respond with gentle answers. Gentle answers, right? Gentle answer turns away wrath, Scripture says, right? We can respond with gentle answers. And here's something that I think we need to get better at saying. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody has questions, somebody has concerns, there are times where it's appropriate for you to say, I don't know, let me get back to you. You don't have to react. You can respond well down the road, okay? It's okay. Jesus is the one that does the changing, the transforming, the deep heart work. We can respond in that moment by saying, I don't know, let me think about that. I'll get back to you. That's a really hard question. That's a really good question. Let me get back to you about that. This is what it means to listen well and to respond well. Friends, can you imagine what our lives would be like? Can you imagine if Christians were known for how they listened? Like, think about that. Like, are Christians known for how well they listen anymore? Not really. We're known for everything we're against. We're known for our, our standpoints that we have for things. What if we were known for listening well? being good friends who love people well, who aren't always just trouncing them with our viewpoint and Bible-thumping, but actually listened and looked for opportunities to disciple people well by asking good questions. I think it would change our world. I think it would change, it would change our church. This, I mean, friends, this is what discipleship looks like. I, I know I've said that, but like, this is what it means to be in a church community together, is to listen well and ask good questions so that we disciple one another well. 
This is what it means to be evangelizing in the neighborhood, to be making disciples as we go, to listen well and to ask good questions. And I'm telling you, it would change our families, it would change our schools, our workplaces, our community. This is why we can love our neighbors by listening well, because Jesus enters our story and listens well to us, and He gives us His Spirit to listen well to others. Would you pray with me?